Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sherry. Today I'm going to discuss the vanishing of Richie Edwards. Richie was the guitarist for the band Manic Street Preachers. He disappeared in 1995, and today we're going to dive deep into that. This is the case of Richie Edwards. Richard James Edwards was born on December 22, 1967. He was from Wales, and he has a sister named Rachel, who is two years younger than him, and they were pretty much best friends. Richie finished high school and got his college degree in political history from the University of Wales. Richie is described as being extremely intelligent. He read a lot of classy literature and was able to debate people about politics and just a well-educated guy. He was also really big into poetry. After college, Richie became a driver and a roadie for the band Manic Street Preachers. I listened to one of their albums recently, and I'm having trouble figuring out what genre they are. There's some punk, there's alternative, there's glam, there's grunge. It's all kind of mixed into one. According to my Apple Music app, they are alternative. I for sure enjoyed some of their songs. In 1989, Richie is asked to be the band's, I guess you would call it, main face. He wouldn't be the singer. He would instead be the guitarist, the lyricist, and the band's spokesperson. The band saw something in Richie, and they knew he was a good guy, and he could come up with these amazing lyrics. So they're like, we got to get him in our band somehow because we don't want to lose him. So Richie joins, but there's one issue. Richie can't play the guitar. He can strum on the strings, but he couldn't figure out how to make notes, and he just wasn't feeling it. So they tell him not to worry about it. He could still play on stage unplugged and just fake the whole thing. I watched some footage of them live with Richie, and he's pulling it off pretty well. He's jumping around and spinning with his guitar, and it fooled me for sure. He was their main lyricist, and he's able to write a lot of songs with these deep lyrics. I looked up some of the lyrics he had wrote alongside their bassist, Nikki Wire, and they deal with a range of topics such as prostitution, capital punishment, and even eating disorders. Richie also chose a lot of the quotes that could be found on their albums. I wonder what it was like inside Richie's head that he was able to come up with this stuff. A lot of times when they performed, they wore Army and Navy outfits. I think they did this as like a fuck you to the government because The Clash was doing this as well around the same time. In 1991, Richie had been in the band for a couple years now. Well, he gets into an argument with a reporter. The reporter asks him about the band's authenticity of their punk image. The reporter is acting like he's the gatekeeper of the punk scene and wants to make sure these four guys aren't just posers. Well, Richie is so pissed off by this that he takes out a razor blade and he carves the words for real into his arm. Now, this wasn't just some little one-inch carving. It went top to bottom all the way across his arm. It was so bad that he had to get 18 stitches. Richie was also suffering from severe bouts of depression, and he was self-harming. Self-harming, for those who aren't familiar, can be a number of things, ranging from mild to severe. The most popular forms are when a person cuts themselves or burns themselves. Usually, this is done on the tops of their arms or their thighs or their shoulders. There's a difference between self-harming and attempting suicide. Sometimes, self-harming can be as minor as purposely not wearing a seatbelt, not because it's uncomfortable, but because you welcome an accident that would cause more pain without a seatbelt. This is a very mild form of self-harm. You're intentionally putting your body in harm's way. 
People who are contemplating suicide do this as well. They feel it doesn't matter if they wear a seatbelt or not because they don't want to be saved. And if you know anybody who is self-harming, please reach out to them. There's things they can do that are much safer than cutting their arms. They can cut the ends of their hair. They can shave their eyebrows, get a piercing, a tattoo. There's safer, less harmful ways to deal with the pain that they are going through. Richie was not suicidal at at this point. He self-harmed by way of cutting and also putting out cigarettes on his arm. He was also known to slice his chest with a knife. Once his bandmates found him and he was banging his head into a concrete wall and they had to pull him away, he did this to feel something other than the pain of his depression. He was also suffering from anorexia. He could go for days without eating, and he was pretty skinny. You can see it in some photos where he looks almost skeleton-like. He was drinking heavily and considered it to be a form of nourishment at the time. He used alcohol to help him cure his insomnia. Now, Richie was very, very open about his depression and his self-harming and his alcoholism. He didn't hide it like a lot of people do. He even gave interviews about it. He was quoted as saying, when I cut myself, I feel so much better. All the little things that might have been annoying me suddenly don't seem as trivial because I'm concentrating on the pain. I'm not a person who can scream and shout, so this is my only outlet, and it's all done very logically. In 1994, Richie ends up checking himself into a treatment facility for a number of things, alcohol, self-harm, and depression. Richie was described to be popular with people that were like him because he was so open about it. He shared that side of him with humility, sense, and dark humor, and not like, look how tortured and cool I am. I don't know if Richie did any form of drugs. There's not much info that lead this to be true. It seems his issues were alcohol and depression. On December 21st, 1994, no one knew that this would be the final show Richie played with the Manic Street Preachers. They ended the show by destroying their equipment like a lot of bands do. Richie gave an interview to a Japanese magazine in January of 1995. No one knew that this would be his final interview as well. For the last two weeks of January, every day, Richie was going to the ATM and withdrawing 200 pounds. He ended up with 2,800 pounds at the end. He could only withdraw 200 pounds each time because that is all the ATM would allow per day. So his 2,800 pounds converted to U.S. dollars is around $4,000 in today's time. On February 1st, 1995, the withdrawal stopped because he is supposed to board a plane with his bandmates and fly to the U.S. for the beginning of a tour. Some people speculate he was withdrawing the money so he could have money with him while he was in the United States. Others think it was because he had just ordered this new desk for his flat, but there was no desk that was picked up and none found in his flat. Now, keep in mind, these daily withdrawals were not even close to cleaning out Richie's bank account. He was doing well for himself financially and had a good bit of money in the bank. The Manic Street Preachers were making a lot of money through touring and album sales. They weren't Metallica, but they were able to live good on their music. You can see they weren't some struggling band traveling around in a van. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just describing their situation as being more mainstream. 
The night before the flight, Richie visited a female friend and gave her a copy of a Russian book from 1934. It was titled Novel with Cocaine. He instructed his friend to read the introduction of the book, which detailed the author staying in a mental asylum before vanishing. He also gave his friend some books and videos of his that were carefully wrapped like a birthday present, and they were decorated with art, collages, and Bugs Bunny. This friend he was visiting was his on-again, off-again girlfriend, but they had split up a few weeks before. Richie says his goodbye to her and would spend the rest of the night in a hotel. The next morning, he wakes up and gets his car keys, his passport, his wallet, and a portion of his Prozac. He left everything, including his packed suitcase and the rest of his Prozac in the hotel room. He checks out and hands in his keys. It is now 7 o'clock a.m. He then drove to his apartment where he left his passport and his keys. Remember, Richie is supposed to catch a plane this morning with the rest of the band, of his bandmates, and they were going to go tour the U.S. This is something that has been building up for months. Well, Richie never boarded that plane. February 1st, 1995, Richie is nowhere to be found. In the next two weeks, Richie is spotted in the Newport Passport Office. This is just a tip that came in. He was also spotted by one of his fans who had no idea he was even missing. They talked for a while about a mutual friend they had. The fan noted Richie's head was shaved. On February 7th, 1995, Richie has been missing for six days. A taxi driver says he was unaware Richie was missing at the time, but he picked Richie up from the King's Hotel. The taxi driver drove him around for a while. Richie wanted to be driven around to different places. Some were his childhood hangouts, his old house, different schools he went to. The driver said the passenger spoke in a Cockney accent, but it kept slipping into a Welsh accent, which is what Richie had. I watched a few interviews of him, and my God, you guys, he has a really harsh Welsh accent. There is no mistaking it. He talks very soft and quietly, and for an American like me, it's hard to make out what he's saying at times. I'm not accent shaming here. I'm just saying that his Welsh accent was very easy to recognize, and it would be hard to cover that up. Imagine a person from deep Louisiana trying to talk with a British accent. It's hard to do without some you know, major vocal training. So Richie asked the driver if he could lay down in the back seat. Eventually, they arrive in Blackwood. He tells the driver that this is the incorrect place, and the driver then takes him to Severn Station. He paid the driver 68 pounds, which is equivalent to 90 U.S. dollars. On February 14th, this is two weeks that Richie had been missing. His car was issued a ticket at the parking lot at the Severn Station. Three days later, it was noted as abandoned. His car was looked through, and inside it appeared that someone could have been living in his car. There were McDonald's wrappers and empty bottles. There was also family photos. So this Severn service station is right next to Severn Bridge. This is a huge suspension bridge that connects between two rivers. The bridge was opened by Queen Elizabeth in 1966. Unfortunately, this bridge is infamously known for being a suicide spot. Almost as much as that suicide forest in Japan, it begins with an A and I can't recall how to pronounce it, so I won't even attempt to. So many people around that area have come to this bridge and jumped off. This seems like a cut-and-dry case. Richie was suffering from depression. He gives some things to a friend. He leaves all his belongings. He misses his flight to the U.S. where he would go on tour. 
He leaves his bandmates a folder full of lyrics that they can use for their next album, which they did. He did. He doesn't contact anyone. He goes around looking at his old childhood spots. He's got his family photos, and now his car is abandoned next to a bridge known for suicides. Well, it's not that simple. Richie was described by family and friends to be anti-suicide. He was asked recently if suicide ever crossed his mind. He responded, in terms of the S-word... That does not enter my mind, and it never has in terms of an attempt, because I am stronger than that. I might be a weak person, but I can take the pain. The fact that Richie calls it the S word means that he knows it's a sensitive topic and he's trying to distance himself from it. Richie was also still grieving the suicide of Kurt Cobain the year before. Since 1995, there have been numerous unconfirmed sightings of Richie. Did he stage a suicide and then disappear to start a life somewhere else? We're going to get into that in a minute. His bandmates were devastated. He was their fourth member and their principal songwriter, and now he's missing. Still to this day, the Manic Street Preachers tour. They've continued on for the last 25 years without Richie. They even have a tour booked for next year, which is 2021. Now, if you don't like their music, you can appreciate them for the way they have carried on. It's still the same three dudes, but without their fourth member, Richie. They continued to give Richie's family 25% of their earnings, which would be Richie's share of the band's profits. When I was going through my notes, every time I got to this part, I had to stop because certain triggers remind me of my son, Michael, who was a very young musician. To this day, at every show, the band has an open microphone on a stand set up for him on stage right, which is where Richie would have stood. I have two theories that I can come up with. If you have any of your own, please let me know because I'd love to hear them. I truly don't think there was any criminal activity that happened. I don't think Richie was attacked or killed by someone else. Technically, there's no real crime in disappearing on purpose or committing suicide, emphasis on the word technically. Of course, I don't like either situation. I may be alone in this, but I think the guy is alive. I think he is living in another country and no one knows who he is. Remember, he left his Richie Edwards passport at his flat and there was an unconfirmed sighting of Richie at a passport office after this. Richie was also very cryptic and like he liked mysteries and he liked clues. The first theory is that he did exactly what seems to be the case. He committed suicide. This was thought out and planned. This doesn't explain why he was withdrawing 200 pounds per day, but it's still a likely theory. I think if Richie Richie wasn't famous, this case would have been ruled a suicide and closed right there when his car was found. His body was never found, but keep in mind the rivers below the bridge rushed really quickly and it would be hard to find. It has the second highest tidal rise in the world. There's a lot of skeletons in that water. None that were found belonged to Richie. There was a postman who claims to have seen Richie on the footpath of the bridge the day of his disappearance. But one huge piece of evidence that came to light in 2018 is that the bridge toll ticket that Richie had from crossing his car across the Severn Bridge stated 255. Everyone always believed that this meant 255 p.m. Well, Richie's sister Rachel in 2018 tracked down the manufacturer of the goddamn toll booth machine and 
and spoke to the man that manufactured it for the Severn Bridge. I mean, how hard would it have been to try to find this guy? I can't imagine. He stated the time was a 24-hour clock, meaning it was displayed in military format. 2.55 meant Richie drove his car across it at 2.55 a.m. So the mailman who said he saw Richie walking on the footpath seems less credible. Mailmen aren't out delivering mail at 3 a.m. One of my issues with the suicide theory is if Richie committed suicide, he would have left a very long, drawn-out note, in my opinion. Remember, he was a lyricist. He wrote these deep songs. Why wouldn't he use this as his last chance to say what he had to say? Or was the mystery around his death his final piece? The second theory is that Richie took off and he's living in disguise somewhere else. Richie was only 27 years old at the time of his disappearance. He has a lot of time to start over. This is what I want to believe happened to him. Maybe being a celebrity was too much for him. But I feel like if he wanted to not be famous anymore, why not just quit the band and fade into obscurity like so many others have done before him? There are much simpler ways to get unfamous that don't involve disappearing from the face of the earth and putting your loved ones in distress. You guys remember Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd? Well, he became a recluse and moved in with his mother. Everyone always knew where he was, though. Richie is believed to have been spotted in other countries, but most of these sightings were in India. A year before his disappearance, he was quoted as saying, Where we come from, there's a natural melancholy in the air. Everybody, ever since you could comprehend it, felt pretty much defeated. You've got the ruins of heavy industry all around you. You see your parents' generation all out of work with nothing to do. Perhaps he was tired of his country and wanted to go somewhere else. It's also important to mention that Richie had a huge library of books. In some of these books, the pages were marked when there was a mention of a disappearance. Some even think he is ghostwriting lyrics for other artists. There was one instance in 1996 where a guy named Vivian Morris, who was a musician, well, him and his wife were traveling in India. They are at an outdoor market, and they meet this traveling hippie commune. Well, this guy was a big fan of the Manic Street Preachers and had even met Richie once at a show. He says he spotted Richie with the hippie commune. He looked different. He was heavier and he had a deep suntan and his hair was really matted and unkept. He asked one of the hippies who that guy over there was. And he says, oh, that's Rick. He's been with us for 18 months. Someone else came over and chimed in and said, no, his name is Jeff Reed. Vivian didn't bother him because he felt he wanted to be left alone. Richie's good friend, a guy named Richard Fry, has even written a book about Richie. He believes Richie is alive and well and that his family knows his whereabouts. They are just not telling anyone. He thinks if you check their passports, you'll find they've been going out of the country. He said he talked to Richie's uncle, and he's telling the uncle about all the good times him and Richie had when they were in school and when they were younger. Well, the uncle asks him if he attended a wedding a few years ago. Another family member came over and hushed him real fast, and he couldn't say anything else about it. This left Richie's friend wondering if Richie had gotten married and the family attended the wedding. As part of a part two of this theory, I look at some photos of Richie, and he has this real androgynous look. He could easily be mistaken for a woman at times. I wonder if he became trans and now identifies as a woman. I've seen some speculation on this theory. 
People even say, now stay with me here, (laughs) that he could be Alice Glass from Crystal Castles. My son and I saw Alice Glass when she opened for Marilyn Manson in 2018, and she was absolutely amazing. Well, she does look a lot like Richie. I compared some of their photos. Both are five foot eight inches. The trouble is that he would be 53 and she's only 31, but she could pass as his daughter for sure. This Alice Glass theory seems silly, but him identifying as a woman doesn't, at least not to me. Richie Richie Edwards was declared legally dead in 2008. He had been missing for 25 years. His parents have both passed away, never knowing what happened to their son. His legacy is colored by a combination of tragedy and mystery. If Richie is alive, he would be 53 years old. He was a tortured artist, and his lyrics will live on for generations. If Richie were alive today, I wonder where he'd be. Could he be traveling the world with the hippies? Is he a banker in New York? Does he have any children? Does his new friends and family have any idea about his previous life? Do they know his dead name, Richie Edwards? I think 25 years later, now in 2020, if someone thinks they see him, all they would have to do is look at his arm and they would see the scar from the words, for real. The majority of people are convinced Richie jumped off the Severn Bridge that day. I want to believe he is alive and living in India. I usually give a rest in peace to the subject of my show at the end. I kind of struggle with doing that in Richie's case. Instead, I just want to say, Richie, I hope you found a better place in life and you aren't self-harming or drinking yourself to sleep every night. That's it for this show. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Take care, and as always, much love to you all.